Today, we're going to discuss the keys to visual storytelling on Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion and all the stories and challenges that happen in between. I'm Steve Brazel. Thanks very much for joining me. I do want to remind you that any episode that you ever see or hear of Behind the Shot, there is always a corresponding blog post for that episode. It's at BehindTheShot.tv. You can run there, check it out, and, and uh, reach out to me and read all the notes and see the, the photographer's work, all kinds of stuff up there. I want to get into today's episode really quick, and, and there's a number of reasons for this. I love the shot that we're talking today. It's got this, this really cool kind of classic photojournalism feel to it. And I want to introduce you to th this photographer. This episode is the third episode in a series that I'm doing with Red River Paper. Red River Paper participates in photography education programs at education institutes around the U.S. And they give paper to the program so that students can print and stuff like that. And over the year, like once a quarter, I'm getting either a student or an instructor on to talk about their work, but also talk a little bit about printing and all the things related to photography education. And today, I've got a really special guest on. I want to introduce you to Chaney Orr. Chaney, how are you, my friend? Very good, Steve. Happy to be here. It's really nice to have you on. And <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to feel in my head like I'm rushing through this because I'm actually really excited to get to this shot because the type of photography that I do, music photography, is, is at its core photojournalistic in nature. And really that's kind of what you do, right? You are a, a you're New York based uh, documentary photographer and, and your work has a really strong photojournalistic feel. So let's get into your education a little bit. You are a student in documentary, I'm reading this because I'm not gonna remember this, documentary practices and visual journalism at ICP, otherwise known as International Center for Photography in New York, correct? Yes. When do you graduate, by the way? Two weeks from now. Oh, actually, a little bit less than two weeks, yes. Oh, so you're almost done. I'm almost done. It's a, Dude, the, the congrats. Last, so you have final finals call. left still? It's it's not exactly finals. It's more like um, we're, it's really the production stage of things. So portfolio printing and preparation right. um, and what, <laughs> other, what other, other production um, you're doing. Promo cards, website updates. I read Sorry? something in your bio that intrigued me. It, it said somewhere that you started at ICP at 15? Yeah, so they do um, they do teen programs there. Um, so when I was, so I, I took my first darkroom photo class at Stuyvesant High School, which is a, a public high school in New York City. I took a free summer program there and I fell in love with the darkroom. Um, and I mean, really, you, you speak about printing in this podcast and and that was a huge part of, of what drew me to photography is the actual physical act of creating something with my own two hands. Um, and from there, I, I learned about International Center of Photography and the teen programs they have there, um, for which they also have scholarships. And so I was ended up getting scholarship to that as a teenager. And um, yeah, I've been, I've been in and out of ICP for, now I'm 28 years old, so it's been more in a decade, I keep just getting drawn back to, to ICP. See, that's really cool to me because that means at 15, you really already 
had a sense of what you wanted to be involved with for your life. That's mm -hmm. kind of a freeing experience when you think about it, right? Many people struggle with, I don't know which road to take, or I have no idea of, of any concept of what I want to do. You knew early, which is kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I, w I was lucky to know early. And, and that being said, I mean, it's been, you know, what, 13 years since this initial <clears throat> realization or when I fell in love with photography. And, and since then, there's been ups and downs and there's been, you know, periods where I, I don't photograph as much and others um, where I do. But um, but it's, it's, it's always been there and, and it always will be. So Well, your work... Uh, I highly recommend that people go see your work. And, and for the video viewers, we have both a video feed and an audio feed. So if you are subscribed to Behind the Shot in your podcast app, whatever that might be, if you're subscribing through Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, just search for Behind the Shot and you'll see a video version and an audio version. And if you're on the audio version, you won't see the website and stuff like that coming up at the bottom. But at the end of the show, I will give that as information. But just real quick, I'll give out all your social media stuff verbally so the audio people can hear it. But just real quick, people can find everything through your website. What's your website? Uh, my website is my name, so chaneyor.com. C-H-E-N-E-Y-O-R. So your work, you did a trip when you were young to the Ukraine, and you had a solo exhibition from that in uh, in New York, as I understand. The other one that really intrigued me was the New York Times has a, a section that they do like a photo blog type section. And you had a photo essay of the issues documenting your father's struggle with Alzheimer's, early onset Alzheimer's, that I read that whole thing. Your photos in it are great. The writing is great. Um, and not just New York Times, you've been in other places as well, like Vice and stuff like that. When when people come to you and they say, oh, you're a photographer, right? For me, everybody, when I say I'm a photographer, they immediately think I'm going to go photograph their wedding for some reason. I don't know why. When people come to you and say, oh, you're a photographer, what do you tell them that you shoot? How do you describe it? Hmm, That's a good question. Um I guess I would say documentary. I mean, the the easiest answer is is documentary photographer because it's, I feel like it's a it's a broad answer and it, it includes a lot of different facets of what I do. Okay, that makes sense. And and documentary journalism, kind of the the same type thing. You are no question, without a doubt, a visual storyteller. And when people look at your Instagram feed, they'll they'll understand what I mean. You've got a really good eye for 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 something a lot of people can't do. They take photojournalistic style shots, but without a story. And really the key to documentary filmmaking or photography or journalism is that image has to tell a story and your images do that. I can imagine the one we're gonna talk about today printed. So I wanna talk about printing for a second. Each of these shows that I do in conjunction with Red River Paper, uh, with their photography education program that they do, each of the shows that I do with them, we do a contest where <clears throat> we give out 10 Red River Paper sample packs, and then one of those sample pack winners gets a 13 by 19 print of the photo that we discuss on that episode, which for the visual viewers, you can see it in front of you now. Everybody else, you can go to the blog post to see it. So 
with this episode, we're starting a new contest, which is awesome. You can find all the rules at BehindTheShot.tv, but here's a quick summary for you of how this is actually going to work for the Red River Paper Contest. 10 Red River Paper Sample Packs, and then one person is actually going to win Cheney's photo, custom 13 by 19 print, printed by Red River Paper on Red River Paper. Here's what you got to do. Follow Red River Paper and follow Behind the Shot. So it's Behind the Shot uh, TV. On any social network you want, it can be Facebook, it can be Instagram, it can be Twitter. Find the actual post that I do promoting this episode. So if somebody reshares it, don't comment on the reshare because I'm not going to see it, right? Find my original Behind the Shot post. Follow both of us, Red River Paper and Behind the Shot. Find the original post and comment on it tagging two of your friends. That's it. You do that, you're entered. Everybody who does that, I keep a track of it. And uh, the contest is going to run through August 31st of 2019. And that brings me to printing. So when I started doing this, Red River Paper sent me the sample packs like they send to other people for me to play with so that I knew what I was doing. Part of the reason for that is I'm not going to get up and talk great about a product I A, haven't used and two, don't like. And I got to admit, I was really instantly impressed with some of the Palo Duro line of Red River Paper. When you were coming on, they just came out with this new Barita paper or Barita paper. Depends who you talk to, how you pronounce it, right? Let me get it on camera here. Um, and I've done some test prints with this Barita paper. I did a, I did a color print. That's the lead singer from Garbage. This is the drummer from the classic band Great White, Adi Desbro. This paper, I was super impressed with. You've printed on it too, I understand. What do you think of this paper? Yeah. Um, so as, as you said, uh, I'm not one to, to plug or endorse something that I actually don't think is a good product. And right. it is a good product. From the moment that I took it out of the box, and I, I, I am a harsh critic. I, have, I am an avid darkroom printer. I have a small darkroom in my house, um, my backyard. So the moment that I took it out of the box and I felt the texture of the paper and I just, I was like, wow, this is actually feels like a fiber darkroom print. Yeah. And, 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 and then the print it's the printing itself did not disappoint me. And um, you printed, so. I think you told me you printed black and whites on it. You know, a Barita mm. paper is great for black and white because it holds the blacks, right? Um, I've printed both color and black and white and loved it on it. But really, honestly, black and white, black and white uh, prints on this paper is pretty awesome. It is an archival paper. And their promotional material for it will tell you it's the look of wet darkroom fiber paper. Now, I never worked in a darkroom. I wouldn't know that. But I do appreciate, A, I think more people need to print. I really do. There's something about having your print in your hand and better yet, even watching it come out of a printer that's awesome. And so when I print, I want to make sure my prints last. So having, you know, high quality paper, whatever company you use, right? Getting an acid-free paper that doesn't have artificial brighteners in it and things like that so your print lasts is kind of cool. And this does it. And one of the things I loved about this was the weight It's um, and the finish on it. It's, it's 300 uh, GSM. And I was trying to figure out how to describe to somebody the finish on it. It's, it's like a semi-gloss with a slight texture, but it's not glossy by any means. It's kind of I don't know, medium reflecting, 
reflectivity type thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a luster, but it actually it has it's a it's a toned down luster. I would say. Um, yeah, works for a lot of different things. Yeah. So. Uh, again, remember the contest. I'll give you all the information again at the end, but the rules are at BehindTheShot.tv. So, Cheney, let's get into your shot here really quick. And I actually showed it a, a second ago as I was bringing up the Red River paper stuff. But this shot that we're bringing up right now, <clears throat> this is Juggalo March on Washington. Yes. Explain to me Juggalo March. Sure. Um, so this was in, if I, my memory serves me correct, September of 2017. Um and the Juggalos, if you're not familiar, are a group of a fan, the fan base essentially of the Insane Clown Posse, um, which is a band out of Detroit, I believe. Um, and they dress up as clowns and crazy live it's, show. It's yes. Oh, well, we'll get to that. Because yeah, yeah. I'm now I'm, I'm now actually genuinely a fan, which I wasn't before before going to this. But um, yeah, the shot, live show is amazing because they actually after. Uh, later on the, that evening, they played a free live show on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, You're in my just, world now, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's not the kind of... I mean, teach their own. It's not the kind of music that I sit at home and listen to, but that show just blew me away. Um, but anyway, so um, the Juggalos... Um, Earlier that year, I believe, were play, the FBI placed them on a on the gang watch list. So they were listed with MS-13 and Bloods and Crips and a lot of people with, say, the Juggalo symbol, which is a little man with a hatchet. Um, if they had a bumper sticker on their car, they were reporting getting pulled over. Um, with that, having a, having a tattoo of that, they were reported being stopped or... Um, Maybe in a custody dispute, um, some people, because they were affiliated with the Juggalos and now the Juggalos were deemed a gang, they were, the, the, the other spouse was getting full custody and, and this kind of thing. Um, and basically, they feel like they shouldn't be on the gang watch list. And that's what the march was about. Interesting. Um, so, so I went, yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. So, I mean, I just... I was, I'd always, I mean, for years I had been curious about, it's just an interesting subculture. I mean, visually, I mean, I, there's, there's been short documentaries about it. Um, and it was nearby and DC is not too far of a drive. So I decided to go down and, and check it out. Um, yeah. And I can imagine based on this image, right. I can imagine what the rest of the group was like as a whole all together. For, for those, I, I almost forgot for those on the audio version. Let me try and explain this image to you. And I want you to think classic documentary photojournalism, black and white. It's a couple on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Older guy, no shirt, long white beard, long white hair, fully tatted, right? Full arms, chest, stomach, everything with this just kind of infectious kind of look on his face. Like he's just, I'm just here enjoying myself. A young lady next to him holding a flag. <clears throat> and the Washington Monument actually, or I'm sorry, the Lincoln Monument uh, Memorial behind him. So this was actually shot on film. What film is this? Um, I believe it was Tri-X. Yep, Tri-X 400 film. Shot at 400? Uh, no, I I usually, I, I do two things when I shoot Tri-X. I, I rate it, if it's daytime, I'll rate it at 320. Okay. Um, and it just, and I still, I, 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 
I rate the film at 320, um, and it just gives me a little bit more information in the shadows. Um, or when it gets darker, I, I usually push my film to 1250 and process with a with a different chemical. Okay, what um, about the body and lens? Uh, Leica M6 was the body and uh, 50 millimeter one for Sumicron. I don't. I don't okay, know do you think you opened? Uh, you think you shot this wide open? I mean, it's film, so you don't really have exit. I don't data. think. I don't think it was wide, wide open. Um, just because of because you got a nice softness in the background. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's possible that it. I mean, my guess was looking at it again now. My guess was f four. Um, it could be open wider than that. I doubt okay, it was F4, at what, what do you four. think you would have used shutter wise? If it was F4, I w- it was an overcast day. I was probably at about 500. If I was, you know, if I was, I could have shot at a thousand. If I could have shot at a thousand and two eight or something Okay, so like here's that. the question. Yeah. You went out and you shot this as film in a day where clearly you could have shot digital. So what A made you choose film for this event or this shot? And if you could recreate this shot today, would you still choose film or would you shoot it digital? Um, so some things have changed. So basically at this time, this was a couple years ago, I was mainly shooting film for all personal work. And this was just personal work. Um, I have, a di- I had a digital camera. I still have it in a uh, Canon 5d, um, Mark three, but, um, I was using that for jobs. Okay. Um, I prefer the the Leica, not even necessarily because it's film, but because of its size and just it's a more discreet and right. more pleasant camera to use than a big clunky 5D that, you know, as soon as you lift that up and point that at someone, um, it has a different reaction than a small rangefinder. Well, and that's what I was going to say. You said it's more discreet, but re- clearly in this image you weren't trying to be street photography type hiding discreet. You went up to them and you got them to take the picture, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. What's your opinion on, you know, everybody says, you know, photographers should all shoot film at some point. What's your opinion right now of film versus digital? I mean, I I I do think that if you want to be a serious photographer, you probably should shoot film at some point because I mean, it, or at least starting out, you should shoot film because it, it'll teach you a lot and you'll really understand the craft and the medium much better. Um, I mean, th- I, I love film and I, and I think digital is also really important. I mean, it, I think it's a personal choice. You said an day. interesting statement I want to follow up on. You said you'll understand the craft and medium better. What does what does shooting film, do you think, give you from a craft point of view? I mean, I guess it also depends on camera, um, what camera you're using. But just the fact of manual controls and not just being able to switch a dial to auto, 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 which there are some film. I mean, yeah, there are some well, film cameras Well, and not being able do. to shoot you know, a thousand shots in an hour. That, absolutely. That is a huge thing as well. Um, it, it really teaches you to slow down every shot. It has a price tag on it. Um, so it teaches you to slow down and make each shot count. And then, you know, you, what's the, what's the saying that like when you shoot, you shoot a whole 16 gig card and you have five good images, you shoot, 
one roll of 35 millimeter, you have five good images. You shoot one roll of 120, you have five good images, something right. like that. So it's just like, and then you shoot one shot on, on large format, and that's the shot. So it's like, you know, the more you slow down and take your time. Um, See, I think that's the key. I think, mm-hmm. I think slowing down and thinking about your art, yeah, you can always get lucky, right? But really thinking about your art, thinking about, uh, you know, your, your background, your foreground, your subject itself. And again, thinking about what story you're telling. So documentary photojournalism to you, right? How do you describe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch that up. I guess it's how do you describe photojournalism or documentary photography, or more importantly, what are those elements that you get in documentary photography that are key, right? What makes visual storytelling and documentary photography? What What are those keys? Good I mean, question. yeah, it's, it's an important question. I mean, storytelling, like you said, I mean, it needs to be based on reality, um, needs to be of a real subject, and it has to, you have to learn something, I guess, from, from looking at that picture. Um, for me, that's, that's my impression is, you know, that, or at least that's the kind of documentary photography that I appreciate the most to look at. Um, it's something that, that teaches me something and, or just opens my eyes to something new. Um, so yeah, storytelling and knowledge. Okay. I'll buy all of that. Now I've got to introduce this. You made a comment when we were talking about this image and I checked it with you ahead of time. It's okay to bring this up. Please. You said, are you sure you want to use that image? Because I made a lot of mistakes on that image. And I immediately in my head went, well, it's his image. He can think that, but he's wrong. <laughs> because <laughs> while you could debate that that from a technical point of view, any image has mistakes, right? There is no perfect image, technically or otherwise, in my opinion. So every image has things that the photographer or maker or artist could look back at later and go, yeah, I really should have done a different lens or I really should have taken a different angle or I really wish that it was slightly sharper or something like that. But here's the thing with this shot. This shot, I mean, I look at this, I see the guy's face compared to her face and where they're both looking. And, uh, you know, you have this identifiable memorial, the Lincoln Memorial behind them. There's so much story here. This is classic photojournalism and... You know, I'm not even going to say that part now because I'm going to save it for when I talk about uh, composition. What do you think are the mistakes that you made in this? Um, so, I mean, it, as as you know, and as commonly said, photography is a muscle. Um, this was photographed during a time where I wasn't shooting very much, or at least I was photographing family and friends, but I really wasn't going out. Um, I got to stop you. Say that line again. Photography is a muscle. Yeah, a muscle. Interesting idea. Interesting approach. I'm sorry. Keep going. Um, I mean, so I hadn't been working out basically, Um, and when you're not out shooting constantly and keep working at approaching strangers and and photographing in those situations, um, and then you all of a sudden do after a, a long hiatus. I mean, you, you get nervous basically. And, and, and 
just I mean, photography is a muscle in terms of composition, all those things, but it's also for documentary photography, it's a muscle in terms of interacting with people, um, which I had lost some at that point. So um, I was at first just nervous to approach these people. You know, he, at first from afar, he this guy is all tatted up, maybe looks a little gruff. What if he gets upset at me and yells at me, why the f do you want to take my picture? Sorry, I don't know. Yeah, that's that okay. Out. I can beat uh, it. <laughs> but I mean, so, you know, these anxieties and, uh, arise in me. Um, and so the mistakes come because there is a lack of, there's slight, I slightly missed the focus, um, on this picture. It's not quite sharp on his eyes. It's a little bit forward focused. Um, and that was probably due to my level of nervousness and, and rushing through the shot. And to editor, any editors that are listening right now, my muscles are much stronger. So don't things have changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't reach out to him on social media <laughs> to ask if he's been working out. <laughs> um, all right. So I want to bring up. You sent me the contact sheet that you had for this, mm -hmm. which is interesting. So there's six shots in this contact sheet. Same couple. Uh, actually, no. A couple of them are the the one on the left is is a different guy, but. Mm -hmm. So many of these are really, really good, right? So many of these you could have chosen to show. And I, and I actually like what you did as you were going through. Some of them are wider and they're more environmental. And then you got tighter and tighter and your framing slightly changed. Um, and one of them, he's looking away, but she's got this really cool smile and you chose the last one. So looking at these six shots and again, for those of you listening to the audio version, uh, you can go to the website to see this image. It will be up there as well so that you have an idea of what we're talking about, right? Of these six shot shots, you chose the last one. Why? Well, I mean, looking at these shots, is it up on the screen right now, Steve? Yes, it's on screen right now. Okay, so, so I'm looking at it as well now. Um I mean, so the first image I started, I, I hadn't asked for their picture yet. I think I just approached and, and took a picture. Um, and then they they either turned, I, I don't remember the events exactly, they either turned and looked at me and saw me taking a picture immediately after, or I just asked. Um, and as I moved closer, I could sense that there was some, from the, from the woman, there was some kind of hesitation or discomfort um, and then the man kind of, it looks like, I think cracked a joke and, and got her comfortable And that last shot, you know, they just seemed so relaxed and comfortable and they really gave, like, it's not like I took it, like they, they gave me that image in a lot yeah. of ways, you know, it's, it, it was, it was, it was them. So I completely I, agree. And there's, there is this, this calm serenity in both of them at that moment, right? Just really, really well done. When you're shooting like this, when you're out on the National Mall of all things, and whether it be sunny or of, are you thinking about, okay, let me rephrase this. You're out documenting an event like this, like this March. Are you just trying to get pictures to document it? Or in the back of your head, are you always thinking, what's the ambient light direction, et cetera? And for that matter, I, I mean, guess, do you ever add light? Do you ever use flash? I I, I do very occasionally, um, but no. Usually, I, I I'm uh, 
just shoot with natural light. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm all, I'm constantly looking at light, but I'm also looking at, at, at subject matter. Um, so sometimes I'll be drawn to an image because of the light and other times, I mean, this was really, I was drawn because of subject matter. The, the light was overcast. It was basically the same everywhere. Um, there wasn't very much variation unless I actually went up the steps. You couldn't oppose them any better than what they are. He, he, his face is leaning back kind of on her head. So there's no shadows under his eyes. <clears throat> you can clearly see whites of her eyes. There's almost even little catch lights in her eyes. The composition of this shot, not only that, but when you look at where their heads are, their heads are intersecting that memorial. They're in the open space between a person on the right side of the frame and the memorial. So you've got heads in a clean spot here. I mean, the building even balances them, right? Composition-wise, there's just a number of things happening in this shot to me that just really work. Are you, as you're snapping your frames with the limited frames you have on film, are you also thinking composition? Composition is it's tricky because like I, I, I'd say yes, I am thinking it, but it's it, it it's at some level uh reflex. You know, it's not like I'm not really thinking like this goes there, like it's just it's just shapes and it's just it just happens at this point. It's in, that in muscle. Photography. Yeah. It just it's the muscle that so that's that's the muscle that, that I feel is is pretty consistent with me, but the the muscle that I really that I personally need to continue constantly work his muscle to actually going out and, and interacting with people. Um, but yeah, Which it's is not muscle easy. And it's, it just, yeah. I mean, no. that's not easy. And, and <laughs> why, why you do, do you have any tips for approaching people on the street? I mean, what do you do? Walk just, up and go, Hey, how are you? I'm a photographer. Can I take your picture? Yeah. So, I mean, at events like this, it's, it's a lot easier because People go and they expect photographers to be there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just it depends on it depends on the day, depends um, how I'm feeling that day. Some days I don't want to interact with people and I don't want to ask if I can take their picture, and I just kind of want to wait and let people to go through my frame or just. I mean, I, my approach changes day by day, but I guess the best advice I could say is just if you're asking someone to, for to take their picture, just be genuine and and tell them why you want to take their picture because it, there is something that that draws you to them and um, just be honest. I don't yeah, know. and most most people get it, right? Most people get it. So, is there anything unusual you did darkroom wise on this? No, nothing, nothing unusual. I mean, there was there was definitely dodging and burning. Um, looking at it now, I mean, I, I. Th I, I burned in his, his, his chest and his, his hair and his beard um, dodged out their, their face a little bit, um, each of them. But other than that, there was – so this is a negative. So scanning it, there was a lot of uh, dust removal in the scan. But, right. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, it, if you had shot it Strictly digitally. dust. Wait, say that again? Sorry? No, go I ahead. I said strictly dust removal, no other kinds of – I don't. I don't touch my images other other than removing dust. Okay. Of, uh, if you had shot this digitally, hmm. what would you have done processing or software wise? I mean, my 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 digital workflow is is pretty simple. I I try to think of it as anything that I can do in the darkroom, 
I will allow myself to do uh, in the in the digital darkroom, aka Lightroom or Photoshop. Um, so contrast, burning and dodging, exposure. I mean, that's a, that's about it. Which is um, which is now, actually standard journalistic rules for. Uh, you know, for outlets that follow journalistic rules, right? Like a newspaper mm -hmm. or a national, you know, they're going to have rules. It's usually color correction if it's color, <clears throat> um, yes. dodging and burning, cropping most of the time is allowed as well. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. So those are standard journalism rules. What software do you use? Photoshop? Do you, are you a Lightroom user? Yeah, I'm a Lightroom user and Photoshop. You do a lot of black and white. If you're in the digital world, what's your process for creating a black and white? Do you just say black and white? Are you using Silver Effects Pro? Are you using, uh, you know, color channels to adjust your black and white? What What do you do? Um, yeah, I mean, I've heard great. I, I I would love to try out Silver Effects because I've heard great things about it. No, I really just you know on Lightroom where it says black and white, I I click that little checkbox. I mean, there's occasionally that I'll I'll adjust. If something looks strange to me, I'll adjust like the 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 color um, bars where you know you, right. the reds become more the shade of gray or that shade of gray. But um, no, I just just click black and white. You know, just the day we're recording this, DxO announced Nick uh, version two from DxO because DxO bought them a year or so ago and updated it to work, but didn't really add a lot of new features. Version two is out and they've lowered the price. It's only a hundred bucks. And the upgrade's like 59 or something like that. I don't know. Don't quote me because I could be wrong. I'm going off an email I remember reading. So let's go back to this shot here. Uh, tips. We already got into what you would do to walk up to somebody like this on the street. Okay. But what are you trying to do when you take a picture like this to tell a stronger story? I just I, I wonder if I can honestly say that there is is that much of a thought process in this particular moment. I mean, so I didn't have a story that I that I wanted to tell. I was I was really just there to to take pictures for myself and, and document the scene because I I thought it was gonna be very interesting. Right. Um but I do believe that this picture does tell the story and an important one. And um you know that these people, although they have this facade of, uh, and it taught me something too because I was initially kind of intimidated to approach them. But you know they have this facade of, of kind of toughness, and and you don't, you wouldn't necessarily want to approach them. But then when you get close and you interact, you 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 have genuine, normal, whatever that means. People, people are people. People are people, and so. You know, at this march, these there's this subculture of people are they're marching because they are being classified as a gang, and they're they already feel like they're on the fringes of society, and they're they're not they're not included, and and people are afraid of them, um, and so being able to just get close and 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 realize that people are people i think that that's kind of the story that it ends up telling and i it's wasn't intentional it's just i mean i that's not like what was going through my head i right. mean that's that's just what happened so and i think it's i think it's true i want to get back to printing for a second because yeah you've done a lot of printing right with the 
you know, school that you're at and the Red River paper, you know, giving stuff to ICP for their education program, which I think is really cool. I'm a firm believer, again, that holding your photo in your hand is kind of when it becomes a real object, right? It's a tangible photograph in your hand is an amazing thing. But there's one area I struggle with because I don't print as much as I probably should. And I'm printing more because I've got this new HP behind me that I'm testing. But what do you look for when when you've got a shot? Okay, let's say you, you have a number of photos in front of you and you're going to print these photos. And you know, some of them are going to be black and white and some of them are going to be more high contrast and some of them are going to be color and some of them are super sad. What are you looking for when you choose paper? What makes you choose a luster over a rag, you know, a, a semi-gloss or a Berita or whatever? What what informs your choice of paper for your shots? It's an interesting question. Um, you know, I think I think it's just it's it's a couple of things. It's I mean, part of it is just like by feel. You know, like you 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 print it on a couple of different papers and. You just like you're just drawn to one version of that, and it sometimes it's it's hard to to explain why colors are more saturated, less saturated. Maybe that works. A, a matte paper works for this image, um, or or you want the more more poppy contrasts on 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 a semi gloss or or luster paper. Um, but you know, it's so it's by feel, but it's also you know. I mean, I guess just largely by feel and just, just how it looks testing and, and I got you. I totally get it. Um, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say people need to check out your Instagram feed. Cause dude, you've got some really, really killer work. I love, I just, you've got this texture in your images and, and I don't mean texture in the sense of photographic texture, right? I mean, this, this feel. I mean, literal feeling that you get when you see some of your images that is really commendable. Uh, just really cool work. Your website, again, is what? Uh, it's chaneyor.com. Okay. And then you're on Facebook at chaney.die, a D-I-E. You're... No, no, no. That's, nope. It's just chaneyor. That, uh, was a, that was a... Oh, I shouldn't say that anymore. That was back in high school. I oh, okay. It. That's the one that I found and I think has been coming up underneath yeah. us as we talk. So let's correct that now. So it's just okay. Chaney or on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Instagram is or underscore photo. Yes. And then you're also on LinkedIn is just Chaney or. And your school of choice that you're about to graduate from is... The International Center of Photography. ICP.org. ICP. Go check them out. And uh, Cheney, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Steve, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So let me just remind everybody here really quick. Uh, right now, with the start of this show, the new contest with Red River Paper starts. It's a chance to win one of 10 Red River Paper sample packs. One of those winners will also get a custom 13 by 19 print of Cheney's image that we've been talking about today. Uh, let me pull that up for you. It'll just make it a little easier so that you can kind of see it. Now, there's the Red River Paper contact information as well. It's just at River Red River Paper pretty much everywhere. But not only that, if you want to find out all the rules about this contest, everything that you could possibly need to know, go to the website. It's behindtheshot.tv. And uh, on that website, you can find the rules for this contest. But let me just, again, give you the summary of 
basically how it's going to work. Okay. Again, go reference because I've got samples up there and stuff like that. But here's the here's the summary. Follow Red River Paper on the social media channel of your choice or platform of your choice. Follow Behind the Shot on the social media platform of your choice. When you go see the rules page, it gives you links to all of those so that you can find the right one. Then once you've followed both of them, find my post on the Behind the Shot channel promoting this episode and comment or reply to it, tagging two of your friends and you're entered. But again, I've got to warn you, if I post something and Jimmy John in North Carolina shares that post, don't comment on his share because I won't see it, right? Make sure you find the original post, comment on the original post. The contest is going to go all the way through August. It ends August 31st. And again, to my guest, Cheney Orr, thanks so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. couple things to let everybody know. There is a blog post associated with this episode at BehindTheShot.tv. All of my contact information has been popping up on screen and is also available at BehindTheShot.tv. The rules for the contest are there, and all the past episodes for years are all at BehindTheShot.tv. TV. Thank you very much. Reach out to me if you want on social media. And to everybody, thanks for joining us for Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers like Cheney to try and get a better understanding of why they made the choices that they did. We will see you on the next show. Oh.